0: John 14, um, and uh, we're going to uh, start there this morning. We're actually going to skip across three different chapters. Don't get nervous. We're not reading every single line and every single word, but we're going to pick from three different chapters, but we're going to start in John 14. If you do not have a Bible, there's one right in front of you in the chair in front of you And um, we're going to be on, if you're using one of those Bibles, we're going to be on page 525. Now, we encourage you, if you don't have a Bible at home, by all means, take that Bible with you. That's our gift for you. We want you to have the Bible. And so uh, feel free to take that. But for the rest of you, John 14, if you're using one of those Bibles, as I said, page 525. And we're we're going to um, begin today right there at the bottom of page 525 and uh, we're going to start in verse 15 um so this is where we'll begin John 14:15 if you love me you will keep my commandments and i will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you Now, if you'll skip over to to, uh, verse 25, just a little bit further down in that same chapter. Verse 25, these things I've spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, we're going to go to the very next chapter, to John chapter 15 and all the way down to verse 26. And we read this. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. Now skip over to chapter 16 and we're going to begin in verse seven, chapter 16, verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go, that, uh, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, to, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now remain standing and we're going to put on the, on the, uh, the screen here our statement uh, concerning the, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And I'd like to invite you to just read this out loud with me. Let's begin. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and that the Holy Spirit unites believers to Jesus Christ in faith, brings about the new birth, sanctifies, empowers, and dwells within every believer in Christ as an abiding helper, teacher, guide, and comforter. We believe the Holy Spirit empowers believers for Christian witness and service, desiring to continually fill each believer and impart his supernatural gifts for the edification of the body and the work of the ministry in the world. We believe that all the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work in the church of the first century are available today and are to be earnestly desired and practiced in an orderly manner, and that these gifts are essential in the mission of the church to the world today. All right, you may be seated. Well, we come today to the fifth message in our series on the fundamental biblical truths that are embraced by Northridge Life Church. And at this point, we've learned about the authority of Scripture. We have learned about the nature of the Trinity, the the, the triune nature of God, that He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've learned uh, specifically about the, the person of God the Father, and specifically about the person of Jesus Christ the Son. And today we're going to turn our attention to the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. And I would venture to say that God the Holy Spirit is, for some of you, the most misunderstood of the, of the three persons of the Trinity. Um, due to the overwhelming volume of teaching about the, new, the, about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, and especially, obviously, the New Testament, I cannot be exhaustive this morning. And everyone said, thank God, right? So... Uh, We'd be here a long, long, long time, but what I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to attempt to answer in a very rudimentary fashion, these questions, who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? And so the first thing that we need to notice about the Holy Spirit is that he is he, not it. That's the first thing we need to know. The, The masculine... Personal pronoun, he, indicates that this being that we call the Holy Spirit has distinct personhood. Now, he's not, as believed by some people, uh, primarily the Jehovah's Witnesses, who will say that, that he's the active force of God, almost like he's a spiritual electricity that flows out of the Father. We don't believe that. We believe he's distinct, that he's a person. And because of that, we see many personal and distinct actions attributed to the Holy Spirit uh, throughout the Bible. For example, uh, we are told that the Holy Spirit comforts or helps. We're told that he teaches. We're told that he speaks, that he makes decisions, that he grieves over sin, that he overrules human actions, that he searches the deep things of God and knows his thoughts that he determines the distribution of spiritual gifts, that he interprets and brings human prayer before the throne of the Father, that he assures believers of their adoption in Christ, and that he bears witness to and glorifies Christ. Those are the actions, obviously, of a person. They're not the action of an impersonal force like electricity or magnetism or gravity. He is a person. And we should remember the personhood of the Spirit when we 're meditating him or uh, meditating upon him rather, or when we are addressing him in prayer, uh, we don 't listen to me. this is really important, especially for people who love the Holy Spirit. We do not plug into it, and we do not conjure it up. We speak to him, we relate to him, and oh thank God, we know him. I often hear people talk about a particular worship service and they'll say, man, the spirit really moved. Like somehow we kind of got in the right place at the right time or we triggered the right thing so that the Holy Spirit could do something. But that just makes him sound like he's some kind of impersonal thunderstorm that just kind of rolled in and we got much needed rain. But what I'm trying to say to you about the personhood of God, the Holy Spirit is this. What are the odds Just imagine with me, what are the odds that we would see a whole lot more of his activity if we just dared to speak to him, if we just dared to invite him near, and if we just dared to respond to his promptings because he's not some random force that we just kind of collide with sometimes. He is a person he desires to be known. Second thing I want you to keep in mind about the Holy Spirit is like we said about Jesus Christ last week, that the Holy Spirit is 100% fully God. He is equal in essence to the Father, equal in essence to the Son. Every single attribute that is found in the Father and in the Son is found in equal measure in the Spirit of God. Every single one of them. See, Scripture teaches that the Spirit is eternal. It teaches that, as we said of God the Father and Jesus, that He's omnipresent, that He's omniscient, that He's omnipotent. Although that, that we know from the, the, and we talked about with this with Jesus and the, and the voluntary submission within the Trinity, although we know that He proceeds out of the Father and out of the Son and that He glorifies and bears witness to Jesus, this should not indicate to any of us that He has some sort of lesser status. He is fully God, co-equal to the Father from whom He proceeds, and co-equal to the Son to whom He bears witness. He's equal. The Holy Spirit, also, something you might want to know, is He did not show up out of nowhere on the day of Pentecost. He didn't just say, ta-da, here I am. You didn't see that coming, did you? No! No! When he was poured out on the fledgling church, that was beautiful, but that was not there, his first appearance. In fact, we see the Holy Spirit all throughout the Old Testament. Did you know that? In fact, the very first appearance of the Holy Spirit, you know how deep it is in the Bible? In the very second Verse. We see the Holy Spirit. Let's read it together. Genesis 1, 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Now watch this. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. You see, his role in creation was to bring order and differentiation out of chaos, light and darkness, land and sea, day and night, and it was that hovering, that brooding, as some translations have it, over the creation that, that allowed things to be distinct and seen and differentiated. The Hebrew word for the Spirit here in Genesis 1-2 is ruah, and it means the breath or the wind of God. It evokes a picture of God Blowing across the barren canvas of the cosmos. It's like a wind that, that you can't easily observe, but whose effects are transforming and sometimes violently so. And all those West Texas natives said, Amen. we know wind, don't we? We get wind. We say, oh yeah, that's thanks for sharing it to me like that, God, because I understand that. I will never forget 2011. You guys remember this day. Uh, Cameron, my son, was, was playing football, and um, we'd left. I think his game started probably six or seven, and, and we left the house. And as I was driving north on Memphis, I looked up and I saw that the sky had all of a sudden become two-tone. Up really high, the sky was really, really blue, really blue, vividly blue. But about a mile above the horizon, it was as brown as I have ever seen it. You guys remember this day? Two thousand eleven? And this, this what they call Haboob just rolled in, this big old sandstorm, dust storm, and it literally like a giant monster just engulfed the entire City. Some of you are old enough and have been in the town long enough to, in fact, raise your hand if you remember the 1970 tornado here in Lubbock. Raise your hand. Okay, several of you remember that. Some of you said, I was not even a thought in my parents' eye in 1970. But but here's, here's what the thing is that happened in 2011 with the boob and in 1970 with the tornado. We learned this about uh, about uh, wind you can't control it. You didn't say, uh uh-uh, uh, wind. Somebody channel that wind somewhere else. No, 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 no. When the wind begins to blow, listen carefully, all you can do is submit to it. All you can do is submit to it or just get in its way and suffer the consequences. Amen? Okay, so additionally, we read of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Coming on several Old Testament characters such as Joshua and Gideon and Samson and Saul and David. And this is really cool. Some of you might think, well, I'm not a real spiritual guy. I don't prophesy and preach and do miracles and all that stuff. Well, listen to this. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit even came upon the craftsmen, the the, the blue-collar workers, the craftsmen that worked on the temple and the tabernacle. Did you know that the Holy Spirit can empower you to be the best mechanic in the world? Listen to me now. The best retail clerk, he can empower that to where it really makes a difference. The Holy Spirit is not available for spiritual big shots. He's available to anyone who puts their trust in the Lord Jesus. 1 Peter one ten and 11 says that the, the Old Testament prophets, all of them, spoke of the coming Christ... Only by the revelation activity of the Holy Spirit. So He's all through the Old Testament. What well, we know, of course, that He's also seen in incredible measure in the New Testament. For example, uh, we see a flurry of His activity. God in Luke chapter one, God told Zechariah that His son John the Baptist would be quote filled with the Holy Spirit even from His mother's womb. Mary, just a few verses later, was told that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the result was that Jesus was placed in her womb. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus at his baptism in the form of a dove. And the Bible shows us that all of his teachings in Acts 10.38, all of his teachings and all of the miraculous power he distributed was done by the power of the Spirit resting upon him. The Bible tells us that it was the Holy Spirit who takes credit for driving Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I'll let you chew on that for just a minute or two. Lord, why are you doing this to me? Well, maybe it's a, or worse yet when we say, why, why are you letting the devil do this to me? Maybe it's the Holy Spirit that drove you there because he's trying to do something in you. Could that be possible? So Jesus, the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, but it was also the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, says in Romans chapter 8. And then, oh man, then it really breaks out. It really explodes. Jesus, waiting to be uh, ascended, received back at the right hand of the throne of his Father, says these words to his disciples gathered on the Mount of Olives. He says, but you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem in all judea in samaria and to the end of the earth and man was this promise gloriously fulfilled and in acts chapter 2 when the holy spirit like a flood was poured out on the church what an incredible thing these these 12 Basically, blue-collar guys just began to to preach and speak and they literally covered every part of the known world in a single generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. Every single one of them except John was empowered, so so infused and and wired to this message by the power of the Holy Spirit that every single one of them except for the Apostle John went to their death in a violent way because they would not recant the message of Jesus that had been made alive in them by the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Since that day in first century Jerusalem, somewhere around AD 33, the work of the Holy Spirit empowering the church has never ceased. Never. Anything good that's ever happened... In the body of Christ has been the direct result of the activity of the Holy Spirit of God. Any single thing. So with all of this mind, with all of this in mind, we have to ask this question What is the function of the Holy Spirit today? Why does the fact that there is a Holy Spirit even matter? What is He doing? Why does it matter? Does it matter to you? Does it matter to me? And if so, if so, why? Why does it matter? Well, in the most simple terms, and this is where that massive volume of information in the New Testament really got difficult. So in, in the most simple terms, if I were, you ask me in one sentence, what does the Holy Spirit do? This is what I'd tell you. The Holy Spirit fulfills an ongoing but invisible role of connection and communication between people and God. His role is to help you know God, connect with God, relate to God. But it's so much more amazing than that because he's also there to help you. Remember, I say it every week, we're just little dirt balls. That's what Genesis teach, just dirt balls that somehow God chose to be his living vessels And somehow through the power of the Holy Spirit we have been given the ability to communicate with the transcendent Almighty God. That's amazing. That's amazing. And we've all, at one time or another, just kind of fallen asleep spiritually that that is available to us. This, this, if you, if you don't mind me using this imagery, this hotline to heaven, and we don't, we're not even aware of it. We don't have any impulse in ourselves to seek after what God has so richly provided for us through the Holy Spirit, the ability to communicate with God. It's a shame. In our text today, So so the Holy Spirit exists to to help us communicate and connect to God. So in our text today, this is what happens. We read it near the end there of those passages we read. Jesus makes an astounding claim. And because you are a 21st century Christian, most of you raised in church, and not a 1st century disciple, raised up under the old covenant and those sort of things. You may have completely missed this, or this may have had no impact on you when I read it. I'm not judging you. It's hard because we're not in the same context as these guys were. I'm going to try to help you see it. But, but Jesus makes this claim that's absolutely astounding, dumbfounding, just, just almost ridiculous to these guys, if you can hear it through their ears. This is what he says. He says, it is to your advantage. I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. Imagine that. Just imagine you're one of the twelve. You've now walked with Jesus for three years of your life. 36 months of walking with Jesus. You've left your profession. You've left your home. You've watched Him over and over again silence critics. You've watched Him encourage the downtrodden. You've watched Him heal the sick and even raise the dead. And now, because of witnessing all this firsthand with a front row seat, you are convinced, you are absolutely convinced, like Peter was in Matthew 16, you're convinced that Jesus is the long awaited Messiah. You are convinced beyond doubt. And that He is going to be the one that's going to right all the wrongs and justice. And that He is going to forever reign in righteousness unlike any other king or emperor or potentate ever in the history of mankind. And it's it's at the apex, the very apex of this hope that you have in Jesus to make all things new. That your hope and your expectation for the future is as high as it will ever be. Then Christ... Says over dinner one night, fellas, I'm leaving. Excuse me? I'm out of here, guys. Oh, and, and where I'm going, you can't come. Uh, you know I left those nets back on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, right? You know, and, and I don't hear that they're taking resumes right now. I left, Jesus. I got nothing. You're all I got. You're you're my only play here. You're leaving? But watch this. He says, oh, and yeah, I'm leaving. You can't come with me, but it's to your advantage. It's to your advantage that I'm going. Advantage? How? How could it be? And how could you feel anything except... Devastated and abandoned at that moment. Are you kidding me? You're leaving me? We left everything, Peter said in the Gospels, to follow you. You're leaving? But it's to my advantage. What could he possibly have meant? And what reality could possibly be more desirable than having Jesus actually present with them to walk with and to talk to face to face? We spoke last week about how Jesus the Son, in order to satisfy God's requirement for the human race, He became one of us, and he, and he still is at the right hand of God in glory, fully human, although simultaneously fully God. And when Christ had so long ago taken on humanity, He embraced, by that decision to take on humanity, He embraced its limitations And this means that Jesus was was limited to one geographical area of ministry and one area of fellowship at any given time. Now, if you were where He was and you had an issue of blood or you were a leper or you were blind or deaf or, or mute, if you were where He was, great! Good for you! But... As Mary and Martha found out, if he wasn't around when you thought you needed him, that could be agonizing. That could be devastating. And here was this advantage that he's talking about. This is the very thing he's talking about in his advantage. When he says it's to your advantage, I go away. Listen to the whole statement he said it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, if I go, I'll send Him to you. And I can imagine the disciples saying, so what? We want you, Jesus. We want you. But see, they didn't understand that Jesus returned to the Father, having sufficiently satisfied all the righteous requirements of the law and having died that substitutionary death and, death and thus removing the guilt of human sin, now he would sit enthroned at the right hand of God, forever living to make intercession for the elect saints, forever. Did you know that right now at this very moment, God, uh, Jesus Christ is talking to God the Father about you? Did you know that? You have an enemy that's accusing you of all manner of wickedness and evil, most of it true. And Jesus says, "But look. Look, Father. Look what I did. Their debt is paid. Their debt is paid. There's nothing. There's no claim on them except me and my righteousness." And that's where he's at. But but he would he would you know, so, so he had to leave his, his, his followers to go be at the right hand of God, but he made this promise. He said, I'm not going to leave you guys as orphans. Oh, what a promise. He would provide another comforter, another helper to be with them at all times. Listen to this. At all times in every place. Mary and Martha didn't have to wait for him to show up. You know why? Because he was going to be right there with them. Wherever they were, wherever life took them, he was going to be right there with them. Since both the Son and the Spirit, how does that work, Mark? Well, since both the Son and the Spirit, though they're distinct persons, are both fully God, his arrival, the Holy Spirit's arrival would be like the disciples having Jesus right there with them everywhere they went. In fact, did you know this? Philippians chapter 1 calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? There would be no geographical limitations. Everywhere believers went, Jesus would be present through the agency of the Holy Spirit. Think about what that means. His wisdom, His power, His grace would no longer be localized to one single area. And what would all of that constant presence accomplish? Oh man, what would it accomplish? See, He would now be the agent Of God's regenerating work. The one who calls dead sinners to Christ Jesus. He would, that would be the Holy Spirit doing that. He would also be the agent of God's sanctifying work. The one who works in believers to make them holy. See, once again, remember how the Holy Spirit first showed up in Scripture, hovering over the old creation and and making differentiation between light and darkness, etc., etc.? Well, think of it like this. Once again, in the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is hovering, but this time over God's new creation. The Bible says if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. So the Holy Spirit is hovering over the new creation and he is still bringing order out of chaos. How many of you know about the chaos of sin? How many of you know it from firsthand experience about how chaotic your life outside of Christ can be? But the Holy Spirit is there hovering. He's brooding. He's bringing order out of chaos. And he's differentiating once again between light and darkness, between death and life. And he's still there. Still setting things in order. But he'd also be the the agent of God's empowering work. He would be the one who pours out a myriad of gifts on the church in order to glorify God and to confirm the preached word of God with authority, with miracles, with signs, with wonders. He would not only be the one who helps us connect to God, as I said, but he would enable our communication with God. And this works, this is not a one-way street, it's a two-way street. This works in two different ways. First, let me tell you something. No one, no one can know what God is like outside of the help of the Holy Spirit. It is an utter impossibility. If you think you've got God figured out and you have not received it through the the Holy Spirit uh, in acknowledgement of what He is through the Son, you have not figured God out. You need the Holy Spirit to understand God. And, And the Holy Spirit reveals what God is like through the written Word of God. John says, in First John, he says he's our teacher. He gives us revelation knowledge so that we'll know who it is that we're seeking, who it is that we're worshiping, and who it is that we're praying to. The revelation that the Holy Spirit gives, if it is the Holy Spirit, is always rooted in the written Word of God. If it isn't, listen to me, if it isn't Holy Scripture, it isn't Holy Spirit. Do you hear me? Don't be coming up to me and saying God told me this and God told me that unless you can say it lines up right here. Don't do it. Because if it ain't Holy Scripture, it ain't Holy Spirit. But after helping us get a picture of who God really is, He enables us in many ways to effectively communicate with Him. That is so amazing. This is how Paul wrote it to the Romans in chapter 8. You guys are familiar with this scripture. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Have you ever experienced the Spirit helping you in your weakness, especially in prayer, communication with God? He says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know what we ought to, uh, what to pray for as we ought. Ever been there? Ever been on your knees determined to talk to God and you just kind of utter some few dumbfounded sentences? Yeah, me too. But it says the Spirit helps us. It says we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. He's not just helping us. He's not saying do this and do that. He's saying, here, let me take over for a minute. Let me do this for you. Let me speak to the Father for you. Man, that ought to just give you, give you just a mind-blowing sense of God's love for you. God is not, man, if, if it was dependent upon my eloquence and my, my ability to put together the right words in the right format, I would be doomed. But the Holy Spirit is praying through me. He's interceding to the Father for me. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now now think about two things I've told you in this message. Right now, at this very moment, right now, at our home base, in the presence of God, at the right hand of the Father, Jesus is constantly talking to God about you. But at that very same moment, Scripture tells us that the Spirit is standing right here by us, in us, over us, through us, and He's talking to God about you. So you got a couple of pretty good advocates. One in heaven, one on earth, and they're constantly, day and night, you're sleeping, they're talking to God. You're, you're faithless and doing your own thing. They're talking to God about you. Amazing. Now imagine, let's kind of bring this home. Imagine that you lived somewhere in the eastern world in the time of Christ. Imagine that you heard about this teacher, this preacher, this miracle worker from Israel. And he would not have been, as we pointed out over and over, like anything you'd ever heard about. Any, anybody else that you'd ever heard about before. There would be no one to compare him to. The best of the emperors and magicians and whatever, there's no one that compares to him. And you find him to be utterly unique, just in the testimony of him. Rumor had it that he healed the sick, the deaf, the blind, the lame, lepers, you name it. Rumors were spreading that he could walk on water, that he could take just a few pieces of bread and a few fish and feed thousands of people and even raise the dead. You would have heard how that he silenced the smartest, proudest, most arrogant people in every u- every room, usually with just a sentence or two. His logic was and his intellect were impe- unimpeachable. And yet he spoke things in such a simple way that peasants and children heard him gladly. You might have even been amazed to hear that this great man welcomed children and that he ministered to and received ministry from women something that did not happen in those days sorry ladies but women were considered by the cultures of those days most cultures in that society as second-class citizens not to jesus ladies not to jesus and he and he ministered to him and he received ministry from them. And, and some of them even had questionable reputations. Don't tell anybody. But he did all of this with never a single blemish on his moral character. Never. Oddly, even though he was obviously innocent, you'd heard from this position in your in your place in the in that first century Eastern world, you'd heard that. He was taken by the big shots who were just threatened by him. So they beat him, they mocked him, they killed him. But in his ultimate miracle, he was raised to life after being dead for 72 hours. Three whole days he's dead and he's raised to life. And, and you've heard that, that as proof, he showed himself to over 500 people that he was actually alive, proving his resurrection. And that later he actually physically and visibly rose to heaven as people were watching him do this. And what if you heard that this resurrected man actually claimed to be God in the flesh? That he was God. And that he offered forgiveness absolutely for free to anyone who accepted it. Now, all of that information is coming to you about the person of Jesus Christ. I ask you this. Wouldn't you want to know that man personally? Wouldn't you? Well, imagine your joy. Imagine your unbridled, unchecked joy if you found out that this man, Jesus, had left you, not you, but you specifically, had left you a message he'd left you a message and it sounded like this John 14:23 If anyone loves me he will keep my word and my father will love him now watch and we will come to him and make our home with him wow this man the healing resurrected ascended lord will come to you and make his home with you And guys, this is what is the payoff of the gospel. Uh, I say this all the time that, you know, we've, we've got a culture right now, a church culture that limits our understanding of the gospel, this tiny little spot of forgiveness, which is amazing. If you've been forgiven from your sins, there's nothing like it. But forgiveness was just the beginning. It was just the opening of so much more benefit from knowing God. Knowing you're forgiven is great. And it entails a lot. But you were only forgiven so you could progress further into the truth of God. And the truth is, he wanted to forgive you so that he could live with you. He wasn't going to live with you in the rotten, stinking mess of sin that you were so dead in. He wasn't going to come to your tomb and live, but he'll come to your house and live. He'll come to your house and live. And so, yeah, you're forgiven, but it was forgiven so that he could have fellowship with you. That's the payoff of the gospel. God, together with his son, has promised that they'll come and dwell with anyone who believes. And they'll bring all of their love, all of their goodwill. We call it their grace. They will bring their power to overcome any obstacle. They'll bring their wisdom to lead and to guide. But how will they do this? How are they going to do this? How are they going to make their home with me if God is exalted forever in the highest heavens and Christ is seated at his right hand making intercession for you and I? Ladies and gentlemen, they will do it through the agency of the Holy Spirit. He will be their representative and he will make you, everybody say me. If you are a believer in Christ, he will make you his dwelling place. Paul says his temple. Right here in the likes of you and I. Oh, I better get this place cleaned up. God's coming to live here. I better, I better change some things. Not, I'm not talking about moralistic righteousness. I'm talking about I better change the way I think. Can, can I just be honest with you? Almost all of us, to one degree or another, the pastor is no exception, have, a, have a, a vision of God, no matter how grandiose you think it is, that is way too small way too small but he wants me to be his dwelling place i better get a better image of who god is a better uh, idea of who christ is of what power is available to us who believe through the holy spirit acts 238 peter is preaching we've read this verse and several times when we've talked about repentance and baptism and other things but listen to what it says one more time and Peter said to them, after they, they, he had preached this gospel message, and they, the Bible says they were cut to the heart, and they said, what must we do to be saved? He says this, Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. Now look carefully at this next phrase, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now watch. Well, maybe he's just talking to those Jerusalem guys. Maybe that's just who it was. No, 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 keep reading. For the promise is for you. The promise is for you. Oh, oh, yeah. And and it's for your children also. Wait, 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 wait. It's also for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Now, let me ask you a question. Has anyone in this room heard the voice of the Lord calling you into his kingdom at some point? Raise your hand real high. Be loud and proud. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He said... It's for everyone who the Lord calls to Himself. You know what that might be? I'm not a smart man. I was born in the hills of West Virginia. But I'm going to tell you something. I I, I just started wearing shoes. I'm I'm going to tell you all something. I'm going to tell you all something. That if, if the Bible says that it's for everyone that the Lord calls to Himself, and I've been called to Himself, then this gift of the Holy Spirit must be for me. It must be for me, right? Guess what? You guys have raised your hand. Logic dictates that it must be for you, right? Right. Let God be true and every man a liar. It must be for you. See, I grew up in a church where the gift of the Holy Spirit was like some kind of secret code you had to unlock. (laughs) You had to pray the right things in the right way for the right amount of time which was interminably long, by the way. And then if you were worthy or you could fake it, you might receive the Spirit. That was kind of how our standard was in the church that I grew up in. But it seems like this passage we just read is saying something completely different. It seems to be saying that the Spirit will be received by those who repent and believe in the name of Jesus. That's what I read. And then that... they'll demonstrate that belief by obedience and baptism. In fact, Peter calls this gift of the Holy Spirit a promise. And if he truly is, if the Holy Spirit truly is a gift, freely available for all who will repent and believe, we must ask ourselves this question. Let's not dodge the bullet here. Let's ask the question. Why aren't we seeing more evidence of his presence and, and his activity in our lives, in our families, and in our churches? Let me wrap up by proposing a few answers. First, perhaps we have not even considered, not ever, that after we believed there was anything more available to us. We viewed our Christianity through a one-and-done lens. We closed our eyes. We bowed our heads. We repeated after the pastor, We went on our merry way forgiven. One and done. We believe now it's just our job to twiddle our thumbs and sit around and wait to meet Jesus in heaven. But Paul told us in Galatians 5 that we should walk by the Spirit. That denotes a dependent and continual ongoing activity to walk by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't just wake me up when I was dead in my sins and trespasses, He didn't just wake me up to my need for christ but but daily he he is daily even moment by moment he has guidance and support for me in my life every day every moment and second some of you may have had an experience or some sense of being filled with the spirit one time but it's long since faded and you really just haven't worried too much about freshness but in Ephesians, Paul says this to that church. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Now, he said, well, okay, I was. But see, the Greek in that passage indicates an ongoing action. It's almost like Paul was saying, if it, it, were, it were put in the right words, it's almost like he's saying, keep on being filled with the Spirit in continual activity. And lastly, some of us might... Say, I want to be filled with the Spirit, Mark. I want to, I want to, I want to. But we're too busy waiting for some confirming experience because of the weakness of our faith. We're waiting. Well, maybe if I ever speak in tongues, then I'll know that I'm filled with the Spirit. Or maybe if I just fall down, I'll know that I'm filled with the Spirit. Listen carefully. Let me caution you not to idolize or seek after an experience. Seek after the living God. Seek after the living God. Can I just encourage you this morning to simply trust what God's Word simply says. And this is what it says, that those who repent, those who believe, those who obey, will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They will. What would the fullness of God's Spirit mean to you in your struggles with sin? What would the fullness of God's Spirit mean to you in your battles with depression, with worry, with anxiety? What would the fullness of God's Spirit mean for your witnessing ability to proclaim the Gospel at work and at school? What would the fullness of God's Spirit do to illuminate scripture to you if you say, I don't get this. I don't understand what these words on this page mean. What would it do? He wrote it. You don't think He can explain it to you? What would the fullness of God's Spirit do to give you peace and assurance of your place with God, adopted by the Father? Isn't it worth Isn't it worth looking to God and thanking Him for His promised Holy Spirit? God, listen to me please, God does not renege on His promises. If He says, this promise is for you, guess what? You can take it to the bank, this promise is for you. Isn't it worth looking to God and thanking Him for His promised Holy Spirit and receiving Him in faith? Just like you received Christ. How did you receive Christ? With lightning, bolts, and thunder? No. In faith, you, you received Him. Can I encourage you to receive the Holy Spirit the same way? Just say, hey, Lord, I, I was just checking the books here, and it says that you made a promise to me, and I don't know that I've ever walked in that promise. So you said it's mine, so by faith, I receive it right now. This promise is mine. I receive the fullness of your, your Holy Spirit to be with me just as very real as you were with Peter, James, and John. You're with me. Receive Him in faith. And then ask Him to demonstrate His presence and His power in whatever way He chooses. Not in some predefined way that you've chosen. Let Him do it the way He chooses. Because can I tell you a secret? You may have a vision of what it'll look like when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, but what He's going to do in you is so much better. It's so much better. We're so dumb sometimes. Can I say that is it allowed for your pastor to say that? We're just dumb. We think, God, if you'll do this this way, this will be really satisfying to your soul and, and to my soul. And he says, if you'll let me do it my way, you will, you will really know what real satisfaction is like. Think about what you stand to gain by believing God's word. When he says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Think about what you, have to, what you stand to gain. And, and if you don't mind me asking, what can you possibly lose? Is your life going so great right now that you couldn't use another little bit of the fullness of God? Because it ain't going to be a little bit. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a flood. So I'm proposing today that we seek Him, claiming what God has already promised. And that we believe that He's going to change us by His presence. So here's what I'm going to do. We're not going to do anything weird. Don't get, if you grew up around some Pentecostal or charismatic circle and, and you, you think it's one way, you might be getting freaked out right now. I'm not tell, we're not going to do anything weird. But I do want to, in honor of who God is, I want to ask every single person to stand to your feet. Every single one of you. And Kim is going to sing us a song. This is not, we're not. The words aren't going to be on the screen. This is not for you to sing. I would like to encourage you to close your eyes to bow your heads. If you, have, if, you, if you have the desire to do this, I'd tell you to slip up your hands and let the words of this song wash over you. And I don't want you to ask God for anything right now. We'll, we'll talk again when the song's over. But I want you to, to ask God if there's a truth in anything that I have said this morning or maybe something that I didn't say, but you know it's in the Scripture that you're missing right now. It's time for real honesty, to be honest with God about where you stand with Him. And one last little thing I'd tell you don't don't be asking God for some experience uh, don't ask him for any even assurance of being filled with the Holy Spirit if you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ That is the precedent you do that first you say God I am a sinner I cannot save myself I put my total confidence in you to believe that you are the, the, the way, that your word is true, my way stinks, and I'm not going to follow it anymore, I'm following you. And if you'll put your trust in Jesus Christ like that, then I promise you, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit today. So everybody, in fact, bring those lights down, and everybody just just take a moment and really get, get in a place where you can just meditate on what God has for you this morning. We're not working something up. I just want you to consider what the Word of God says. Remember, if it isn't from the Holy Scriptures, it isn't the Holy Spirit. And so right now, if that is, if that's not just a song meant to entertain you, but if there's something just bursting forth in your heart for that to be a prayer, then I'm just going to invite you. Would you just get both of your hands as high as you can get them? And if you're a believer here, I'm going to ask you to just begin in your own words to repent with your words to the Holy Spirit for your neglect of His gift. That you have lived just like I have with with so many of your days, so many of your minutes, so many of your hours and years maybe of of living in your own strength when He was very available to you to be present with you, to be empowering you. Just repent of that. You don't have to make a big show, make a bunch of vows. Just tell him, hey, I'm, I've been going the wrong direction and I want to go the right direction. So it starts with repentance. Just, just do that right now, right where you stand. You know how to word it. The Holy Spirit will help you. Now, here's what I want you to do. With your hands still raised, your heart turning away from yourself and away from your own self-reliance and turning towards the living God, the living God who is present and making his home with you, I want you to thank him for the gift. Don't say, Lord, I hope I get it. Lord, I hope that that it's available to me. Nuh-uh. The word of God, which is true, and every man a liar has already said this promise is for you. Promises for you. So if you believe God's word, thank Him for the gift of the Holy Spirit right now. Just use your words and thank Him. Thank Him that it doesn't rely on your goodness or badness, it doesn't rely on your uh, ability to to pray in some marathon fashion. It, It relies on His promise, and His promise is unshaken and unshakable and he says repent believe obey and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit so thank him for that and the third step is like a child asking for a cup of water i just want you to turn your face turn your eyes turn your voice to heaven and ask him to fill you with his holy spirit so right now, just open up your mouth, ask Him. You're among friends, you don't have to be ashamed. Ask Him to fill you right now. Just ask Him, come on, don't be afraid. He already promised it. He's standing ready to give you. The Bible says that if a child asks for, for bread, will, will, will someone give him a stone? And He said, how much more? Will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Well, ask. Ask. Prove His Word true. Ask Him. And now here's the last step. This is where faith comes in. This is where faith comes in. I want you to just receive it. Just now that you've thanked Him for the gift and you've asked Him for the gift, now thank Him that you have received the gift. Thank you. Declare to God, because of your word, not because of some experience, because of your word, I am filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. I am full of all the fullness of God. All of the power of God has taken up residence in me because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. All of the wisdom of God has taken up residence in me because I am a believer in Jesus Christ. All of the grace of God that flows from His wounds has taken up residence in me because I am a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. From this day forward, I will walk in the Spirit. I will be corrected by the Spirit. I will be encouraged by the spirit. I will be empowered by the spirit. My life is hidden with God through the spirit of Christ who will be my constant companion. Just thank him for right now in Jesus name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. There's none like you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for taking up residence. Holy Spirit, we just ask you, all of us, not a single one of you, one of us holds this back from you. Will you just begin, if this is going to be your temple, will you just begin your remodeling right now, Lord God? Tear all the junk out that has just cluttered this house, Lord God. God, and reestablish. Lord God, just begin to hover. God, begin to differentiate between light and darkness, between life and death, Lord God. Bring about a new creation that is filled with wonder as the old creation was. So do your work Holy Spirit we thank you we we do not give place to doubt we we give place to full trust full faith in what the word of God says and we have received you and now Lord if you want to give us experiences things that are beyond what our mortal minds can wrap around Lord God we'll receive those but we're not we're not looking for them God we're looking for you God And we have you because you have been promised us in the word and your word never lies. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're good. You're good. Can you just tell Jesus how good he is? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. Well, listen, guys. This was not just an exercise on a Sunday morning. The Bible says, or I read it to you earlier in Galatians, that we are to walk by the Spirit. So it's not for you to work something up. As you're getting ready to go to work or school tomorrow, you need to ask God, Okay, God, how does this look? How does this look? Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm loosening my grip, and I'm trusting you. You're going to take me where I need to go. You're going to give me the words to speak. You're going to show me how to pray. You're going to pray through me and for me. You are going to give me wisdom that I don't have. You're going to give me grace when I blow it. You are going to be my constant companion. And if you ever sense that you are out of uh, where you need to be, if you have sensed the Bible talks about grieving the Spirit and quenching the Spirit, you've seen that that's not for you to say, well, I guess that didn't work. No, come back. Come back. Believe that the promise is for you, for your children, to all who are afar off off, and to everyone whom the Lord our God will call to himself. That's you. That's you. Praise the Lord. I almost don't want to go home, but let me give you a few announcements and then we'll dismiss you.